Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Welcome to the really big show. We're in our usual motley assortment of malcontents, curmudgeons, and pundits from the HHW LOD Network. Talk pop culture, movies, TV, video games, and ever so much more. It's the really big show, or as we refer to it, really BS. And now, let's start the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to Really BS. This is episode six. And joining with me so far tonight are Mr. Jordan from Jersey and Jim Dietz. Seems like we should have had more. It seems like we should have had more BS than that. Knowing us, we should have. I mean, we should have. Yeah, I I think part of it is we've been just trying to keep other stuff going and try and coordinate all our schedules, and we've all had a lot to talk about. So we're all doing the. We're all trying to be too polite and just say no. We'll just wait until we can all get on at the same time, and then. Something happens and we don't, and so here we are. It's March, and we're ready to do another episode. Um, but hope- oddly enough, four adults who live all in different parts of the country all have different schedules and can't just meet up. Constantly. Plus, when yeah, you're constantly weird. running a global podcasting network like us, I mean, there are a lot of administrative uh, problems and and things behind the scenes that you guys just can't you know possibly grasp. I mean, having to keep the satellites arranged. Our, our base on the moon where we keep all of our podcasts locked in an airtight server so nothing will ever happen to them even if the earth itself is destroyed uh i mean all these things i mean you don't realize what goes into this every week my friends not to mention our interns have been really oh, slack yes don't get me started on, on on the interns free labor isn't what it used to be folks nope um so hopefully we'll have uh johnny m joining us in a bit uh, but we shall see. So, without further ado... Why don't we start with the, the big trailers that we've been seeing recently for the big summer movies. I mean, we're two weeks away now from Cap. We're six weeks away from Amazing Spider-Man. I think we're, what, seven, eight weeks away from Godzilla? I know it's not, not much and, fun. And then Guardians yeah, of the Galaxy two... to cap things out. Or in, in X-Men Future Past. Yeah, we're we're two months... We're about two months out from X-Men Days of Future Past. Um which looks really good. We did get that final trailer for Cap this week. We get to see a little more of the Falcon in action, which I'm really happy about. I think, I think it's really uh, great that they're bringing him into the Marvel universe. You know, um, get to see a little more of the uh, the Shield build up. I'm, and I'm wondering how much that's going to play into the Agents of Shield show. I'd imagine quite a bit. Yeah, I'm really supposedly. I mean, this isn't spoiling anything because I don't I don't know what the details of it are, but apparently something major happens at the end of Captain America, the Winter Soldier that has ramifications for the rest of the entire cinematic universe, which if that's the changes, the landscape a bit, you could say. Yeah. So if that's the case, it's going to have to have some kind of impact on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I would assume. Now, the question is, will it will they give it the off season and, you know, have the, the repercussions of that be for season two if it. If it gets renewed, which I'm I'm almost positive it will, but it hasn't officially been uh, renewed yet. But have you have you guys seen that you could watch the actually watch the first ten minutes of the movie? They've got it online now. 
Yeah, they'd put up the first, what, I guess four yeah. minutes a couple weeks back, and I watched that, but I'm holding off on the first uh, ten. Reviews are so good, I don't feel like uh, spoiling myself or anything like that. I'll just well, wait. How about some rampant speculation, then? Um, we got some news this week that the, Chris Evans is only signed for six movies, but Sebastian Stan is signed for nine. I'm wondering yeah. if the, if the third by the third Avengers movie, uh, Bucky isn't going to be wearing the the stars and stripes of Cap. Like, I can imagine Cap three being a really cool adaptation of the death of Captain America. You know, I mean, Joss Whedon has even said that the, the Age of Ultron, Avengers two, and whatever Avengers three is going to become, that a lot of bad bad stuff's going to go down and people are going to die. I mean, we're already kind of uh, looking toward uh, Tony Stark probably dying in the next Avengers movie. It's not a spoiler; it's just speculation as i say um i mean because i mean he's he's done three movies or what four four movies now as that character five i guess if you count his cameo in the incredible hulk um yeah. it's, it's i mean I, I don't think they want to reboot the series but if they could focus you know the gaze of the marvel universe at other heroes you know what i mean i i read a really great fan um uh, theory i think it was on bleeding cool about how um, if they're gonna they're gonna have Paul Bettany as the Vision, they've already said that for Avengers two. What if um, you know it, the event, by the end of Avengers two, fighting Ultron, Tony Stark dies, and there's a funeral and everybody's crying and Pepper and everybody are around the, the scene or whatever, and then the Vision is kind of floating off into the distance and uh, says something, and then Robert Downey Jr.'s voice says something back. So like Jarvis. The way Jarvis was uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s voice, now the tables have turned and Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark is living as an AI inside of the Vision. That way you could get around Tony Stark aging out, you know, him aging out of the part or whatever, and also still have him in the universe. In kind of a weird cameo. Could be interesting. We know he signed for Avengers 3, right, so... Right. I don't know. I, I just thought it was a cool theory. Yeah, yeah. I. It's interesting because I think Evans... I'm pretty sure after he's done with Avengers 3, because that'll be the sixth movie on his contract, he's been pretty vocal on two fronts. One, being very grateful and gracious about the opportunity it's given. I mean, he pretty much said, this six-movie contract is going to give me the opportunity to basically take the rest of my career and do what I want to do. And I, it seems like he's really taking a shine to directing. That's, that's really where he wants to go. So is um, Cap 3 coming out before Avengers 3 then? Yes, Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's the that's the 2060. So remember they had that showdown between um, Batman Super uh, Batman Superman and and the un, on the untitled Marvel movie in 2016. Mm-hmm. So that they've come out Marvel's come out officially and said that will be Captain America three on that right. May weekend. Okay. Um. So and then I guess Avengers three would be like 2017. Yeah, yeah, or maybe 2018 because yeah, they they've been. Yeah, they've been doing three years between, so I would guess probably 2018. I could see, even when he finishes out the six six movie contract, that maybe he goes away from a while for a while, and then they might be able to get him to come back and do like a can like maybe Cap quote unquote retires, and mm-hmm. that's where Bucky kind of comes in, right. and then maybe Those... Evans Evans does like cameos or or whatever there you know every you know so often. He's still a you know relatively young guy. I mean early 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so even ten years from now, him doing some sort of cameo or something like that is pure, is is kind of credible. But I, I think Avengers. Of, oh, I'm just gonna say, in, in roles that he's done outside of Cap, I think he's done really well. He was great in the Losers uh, movie. I don't know if you guys oh, saw yeah. that. And, oh yeah. Uh, and Scott Pilgrim, where he kind of played um, played like a stylized version of Jason Lee in a weird way, like skateboarder turned uh, Hollywood actor. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, he's a good actor. It'd be cool to see him like stretch his range and everything. I, I think he's really credible as Cap, obviously, too. But I, I think the Phase 3, I think Avengers 3, which which will kind of end the, the third phase, um, I think is going to be the swan song for a lot of kind of the... The characters that kind of made that the first couple waves, I think, I think for, I think it'll be like you know, I think that's when they'll kind of put those characters to, to either to bed or use it as a transitionary period or something like that. Because at that point, you'll be, you know, if it's if it's twenty eighteen, you're talking ten years between you know the first Iron Man and and Avengers three. That that's a pretty good stretch. I mean, that's a fairly fairly decent period of time. Well, plus you'll have grown the Luke Cage and Iron Fist franchises in the Netflix series. You sure. know, they could obviously move up to the Avengers team. You know, it could just be the roster shifts. You know, you have you're introducing Anthony Mackie as the Falcon in Cap Two. You know, like yeah. you said, Sebastian Stan has the longer contract. I mean, it'd be now, easy Jim, for me to see like uh, rotating. You know, like a different, like you say, Avengers Three being like the end of that chapter, as it were, and then a new group of Avengers. You know, carrying on. Now, Jim. By saying Daredevil and Luke Cage and those guys moving up to to the cinematic universe to take over, you know you're shattering my dream of a 70s style uh, Netflix environment for those characters. Oh, man, I would love that too. I mean, when we talked so much when Joe Carnahan did that sizzle reel that had like it was like Daredevil via Taxi Driver. Um, you and Johnny yeah. M and I uh, just because yeah. it was so awesome. But uh, I don't know, man. Well, plus you'll have Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in Avengers 2, plus the Vision. Rumors now, Miss Marvel will be showing up, and I've actually got a theory on that, but that's a, a side point. You have the Guardians characters, you have anyone else they introduce over Phase 3, uh, Ant-Man, two different yep. Ant-Mans, you know. You've got a, you're going to have a lot of options yeah. for them to carry yep. on. So what other trailers have you guys been seeing? I mean, uh, you know, obviously... I'm I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen another Days of Future Past trailer. I mean, we've been getting a lot of weird snippets from Brian Singer on his, you know, between his Tumblr and stuff, you know, posting to Twitter and everything else. But we haven't seen like another official trailer yet. Hmm. I think I'm good on trailers for that. I've seen like, I think any more might spoil. You know, I mean, I kind of know where they're going yeah, with it anyway true. because I read the comic and I kind of, I kind of, I know what the basic bone of the plot is. You know, the skeleton of the plot will be just from having read the comic, even though it's not going to be obviously a direct adaptation. You know, I can obviously figure out story, story beats that will take from it though, and just from what we've gotten so far. And I don't really want to be any more spoiled to it than I will be. I think it's going to be a neat trick if Singer can pull it off. You know, if he can bring the yeah. the coolness and energy of X Men One or Two back. And meld that with what you know um, they had going on uh, in in first class, and make that win, then uh, it's going to be a home run. But I, I mean, I see a lot of ways it could go wrong too. But I'm just going to be cautiously optimistic, obviously, until it comes out. But it could be it could be the best X Men movie yet. I really it really could. They've also been releasing a ton of Amazing Spider-Man Two stuff. I've been staying away from it as much as possible. Um, they did release the final trailer, which I watched, where Rhino looks awesome, by the way. Um, I, I know people were skeptical when they first showed like little bits and pieces of the costume, but I think that looks really cool. Um, but they, they've shown like the first 33 minutes of the movie, or 33 minutes in total of the movie, to various press agents, and the word is really positive. Uh, everything I see about that movie just looks better and better to me. And yet, every time yeah, I, I see something new, and I think it looks awesome, 
the internet just erupts with how terrible everyone thinks it is and how terrible everyone thought the first one was, which, as, as listeners know, I loved, so what do I know? I'm just a Spider-Man I liked, fan. I liked it, too, and I'm a long-time uh, Spidey fan, too, you know? I mean, I just taught Violetta how to sing the original Spider-Man theme song from the 66 cartoon. <laughs> the Ramones and, version, I hope. Well, yeah, I got I worked her up to the Ramones. I started <laughs> with the original, obviously. <laughs> I liked the last of Amazing Spider-Man. I think the trailers look cool. I have a little res- a few reservations about Jamie Foxx's kind of nerdy character, but once he gets into Electro mode, I'm totally buying it. Um, the effects look great. I mean... Could be could be awesome, you know. I'm I'm very excited about Godzilla. I'm just as excited about that as I am about Guardians of the Galaxy and Cap, probably. On the you know, the Gareth Evans take on Godzilla is just going to be awesome. And that trailer is great with the Robert Oppenheimer, uh, you know, voiceover. You know, I've become Death, the Destroyer of Worlds. That's the the Halo team, uh, you know, jump dives into the you know the last site where Godzilla was, and then we got the second trailer. We actually got to see some Brian Cranston uh, acting going on there, so. I'm, I'm pretty psyched for it. It looks good. Even me as a, not necessarily non-Godzilla fan, but just a non-Godzilla, Godzilla carer about her, it looks awesome. <laughs> non-Godzilla carer <laughs> about her. Now we have a title for the show. <laughs> Words are hard. Cinder blocks are hard. <laughs> the, I mean, the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, uh, trailer, obviously, I mean, we haven't ever really had a chance to talk about it anywhere else, but I mean, I've just had so much win. I thought it reminded me of that kind of and I, I hate to say it because, you know, the connotations it brings up, but that kind of original Star Wars feeling, that kind of grungy, lived-in, on-the-frontier, Firefly-ish universe, you know? Yeah. It's been a long time since there's been a fun space, sci-fi movie, too. I mean, well, last year we had, you know, After Earth and Oblivion and Elysium and, like, all these, you know, heavy-handed sci-fi message movies, you know, and now I think I think it's about time for, like, a lighter-touch space opera-ish kind of sci-fi movie. It's been a while, like I said. Yeah. And I love that Marvel's taking a chance, you know? I, I love that they're that you know the, the previous success has allowed them to do something a little risky. Um, and I really, really hope it pays off for them because I think they deserve it. I, I think they've built up enough goodwill with the audience to, uh, you know, that something like this deserves, deserves a chance. And, and the spot they have in the summer, and I think they promote the hell out of it. I think they could really, you know, Really hit it, man. I really do. I hope they do too, because everything we've seen from the movie so far has just been great. You know, it's all I could ask for. Yeah, I th- I think that's a movie that desperately needs another trailer, though. I think the first one was good because it set the tone, showed the humor, everything like that. I th- I think they just need. I, I, and I've said this before other places, but I really think Rocket Raccoon and Groot are are a key centerpiece to that movie and showing people that that it can a it can work. And that B, it's it's going to add that level of humor to it, and I just can't wait. Gonna, you don't think there's going to be another trailer before Cap? Maybe. Oh no, um, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that in in front of Cap, that Disney. There's two things I hope for, and if, if Disney was smart, they would do both of these things. Um, Cap is going to be a huge box office hit. I mean, I I, I truly believe that. I personally think it's going to do better than Thor. Um, I could be totally wrong. But I, I really think it's going to do better than Thor. Well, the advanced advanced reviews from the advanced showings have been overwhelmingly positive. I mean, yes, yes. What Disney should do is two things. One, put the new Guardians trailer in front of it. And two, use that as a vehicle to help promote uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, whether, whether you're a fan of the show or not a fan of the show, ratings have been not that great in the last several weeks. 
And I think the more they can do, especially because once it comes back in April, it's going to have a straight run to the end. So there's going to be no more disruption, no more time off. And I think if they did a little 45-second spot or 30-second spot to really just emphasize that show and the fact that, you know, starting, you know, whatever day that it's going to have, you know, seven episodes in a row or six episodes in a row, I think I think it would do a lot to boost the ratings of that show. Well, I think it's going to be directly, I mean, so directly tied into the movie. If the, the bigger the hit the movie is, I think the more people are going to reconsider the show. Plus, I mean, the yeah. past couple episodes of the show have been a lot stronger, I thought, than the past, yeah. probably the past half season before it. I mean, the episode with Bill Paxton, then the last episode yeah. with Lady Sif and Lorelai and stuff, that was great, too. I mean, I wish they'd been doing this all along. Yeah. Plus, we have Adrian Pazdar and uh, Patton Oswalt coming up. Uh, Patton Oswalt being a dollhouse alum, yeah. of course. And uh, recently did Justified. He had a, a stint on Justified. Yes, yes. It was great. Yeah, I, I mostly bring up Justified, or er, uh, Dollhouse, just because it was the previous uh, Jed Whedon, Marissa Tancheron sure. show. Yeah, have you guys know? I don't know if you've noticed on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I, I noticed it specifically when they did the Making of the Universe special they did last week, and when they showed the preview for the next episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they have the little S.H.I.E.L.D. logo with the with the bird, you know, the bird logo. Mm-hmm. And and then it changes. The it changed to Cap Shield and then changed back. And the last time they yeah, they've been doing that for three or four weeks, I think. Yes, yeah, see, I to, I've totally missed that. But um, the last time they did something like that was with the the eye patch. When that when when Sam Jackson appeared as Nick Fury at the t- at the kind of the tag at the end of the episode th- that week when they promoted it the whole time they had a little eye patch over that little uh, that little bird icon as a part of the Shield icon. So. I'm I'm just curious how I think it's a slippery slope to tie it too much into Cap because if people haven't seen it then you're giving too much away but I think it could help make it all more cohesive if they find a way to tie it in. So it seems from what I've seen in the trailers for Cap though that Shield plays huge in a huge way in Cap. Oh yeah, and yeah. I mean I would think there would have to be you know just by necessity repercussions in the show. I mean maybe they do the same kind of thing but it's Coulson acting more on his own you know or. You know, him and yeah. Sitwell in kind of a splinter group. or I mean, I don't know. I'm just blue-skying here. But I, I can't see with, like, the major changes that we've heard are on the horizon for S.H.I.E.L.D. in the Cat movie that there would be, you know, no change at all in the show. Right. Well, I could definitely see it turning into more of an A-team type thing um, in the very end of the season slash next season with, you know, a team on the run, whether... You know, because we don't really know for sure what's going to happen. We've heard a lot of speculation about the Cap 2, but what if S.H.I.E.L.D. is still around, maybe they're estranged from it. If it's not around, maybe they're still operating on their own. Um, just kind of a rogue police force, you know, operating to what they were supposed to be doing rather than what S.H.I.E.L.D. has actually been doing type deal. Could be pretty cool. Oh, the Jodorowsky's uh, Dune, the movie. Oh, yeah. That. Did you guys read about that? Yes, yes, yes. It's like another... I've heard a little bit about this, it. There's like, a whole series of documentaries about movies that never got made. Like, there's the one that they're trying to... The Kickstarter for about the Tim Burton, uh, Nicolas Cage Superman that never got made. Yeah. And, but there's this documentary that came out about uh, Alejandro uh, Jodorowsky, this really, like, out-there director from the 60s and 70s, who was trying to uh, get a version of Dune made long before David Lynch and all that happened. And uh, they're made, and they have like all these uh, um, um, production design by H.R. Giger and Mobius and Chris Foss and Sid Mead and Dan O'Bannon on, was going to be on special effects, and uh, he was recruiting people for the cast, um, including Salvador Dali and Orson Welles would have been the Baron Harkonnen, 
and Mick Jagger, David Carradine, and his own son was going to be um, Paul Atreides. But they uh, and they, they had go- like costumes and everything, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they had production yeah. uh, drawings. They had uh, costumes. They had you know a contract signed by uh, Orson Welles and a few others. Um, but all kinds of art already done for it, and they uh, they just released this documentary all about what you know the movie that might have been. I remember as a very young geek back in the day seeing the art from this in Omni magazine, like some of this Dune art um, that came out of the Jodorowsky um, production that never was. But I mean, you see, I mean, you can go back and find cinematic DNA in this, you know, for you know the version of Dune that did come out and Star Wars and you know and all those other different things, you know, and Alien. I mean, H.R. Giger's this was this was for H.R. Giger's first work in film ever before even. It's just a really cool. Might have been you know what if story uh, that they made a documentary out of and it just debuted in Austin. We've got a new trailer today. It's too bad, too bad John wasn't here. Uh, to talk about it, but it looks like we got a new trailer today. I think it launched today for the Raid Two. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for this. Yeah. So when that'll is be it coming out? It's, you... it's the fall, isn't it? The twenty eighth. No, no, no. March twenty eighth. Oh, it's this month. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah, March twenty eighth. I thought sure it wasn't until the fall. I think it's it... probably gonna. Yeah, I think it'll be a little more wide release than the Raid. The Raid got kind of a limited theatrical run. Yeah, and uh, luckily, Drafthouse showed it in Austin, so I was able to see it. Uh, I would have loved to have seen it on and, the big screen. I, I the only thing available to me was a video on demand. And, yeah, you know, we're a pretty big movie market too. I would have thought it would have shown somewhere here, but it never did. Yeah, so I'm hoping that uh, the Raid Two shows up this coming weekend, and if so, I'm going to try and see if I could sneak out and catch it because I know, like I said, Austin's a big. You know, when, whenever they have these small independent flicks like that, Austin's usually a pretty pretty big hotbed for for that. So I'm hoping to uh, I'm hoping to catch it, but we'll see. Sweet. Do you want to talk about movies we've actually seen? Sure. Seen any movies? So I've I've seen a couple. Um, I saw RoboCop. It's been so long since we we've, we've talked last. Uh, I've seen Ro- I saw RoboCop. Oh yeah. And the RoboCop remake, I'm assuming. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, the. Uh, it's funny because we the, actually watched. Uh, uh, we did a commentary for the original RoboCop back when that came out, with Aaron and Brandy Peters on on the HHW yeah. LOD network. So that was a while ago. Well, what did you yeah, think? Was, I haven't gotten to see it yet. I, it was it was good, but not great. Uh, I I I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was good. I thought there were some really cool concepts that they that they brought into this one. I liked how it really wasn't a rehash of the first one. It wasn't just them saying, let's remake, you know, the original one. They, they went in a completely different direction. It was very, um, it, 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 it didn't, it kind of downplayed, you know, the whole consumerism and, you know, just kind of the, you know, that just that typical 80s stuff that we saw in the first one. It was a little bit more serious in tone, and it definitely had a, you know, like a post nine eleven sensibility to it. You know, just the whole, you know, amping up of, you know, kind of police states and you know just kind of the absurdity of of all of that, and you know just kind of this, you know, it's okay for us to do these things abroad, but we don't want them on our own soil, and just how, kind of how they reconcile with that. Um, it, it just it was just a very different movie from the first one. And I think that that's its, its strongest asset. 
Um, if there's any negative, I think it was just it, it took a little too long to get to where it needed to be. Um, you know, it, it, the first one was really just just very tight. You know, it, it just things happen almost immediately. And in this one, it takes a while before it kind of gets to, you know, where it's like, oh, OK, now he's Robocop and he's doing all this stuff. It was, you know, probably a good 45 minutes or, an hour, you know, halfway through the movie before that happened. Whereas in the first one, it was like, you know, 15 minutes, like, boom, he's, this is this is what it is. And this is how he how it is. Interesting. So I'd, I'd also so do you think you think it's worth the rental worth the waiting oh, yeah. for Netflix or no 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 I I I definitely rent it I mean yeah I, I'll probably end up buying it when it comes out on on Blu-ray because I think it'll they'll have some cool stuff to load it up with but uh, I, I'd be curious to see if they do a sequel if I, I think it made enough money for a sequel because it it cost under a hundred million and it's made it's made well over a hundred million um, worldwide. You know, it's, I think it's approaching 200 million worldwide. So, it you know it kind of hit that two times its its budget number. That usually means that it's good enough to greenlight a sequel, uh, just because word of mouth will build and usually the sequel kind of do do better. Um, but I'm curious to see if Jose Padilla comes back for a sequel because I know at one point he was ready to just walk off the movie. The studio had a lot of interference, and Padilla is a very competent director. Um, you know, I know. John, or Jim, have you seen the Elite Squad movies? No, I haven't. So, Elite Squad: Enemy Within, which is actually the second movie in the series, is is on Netflix. It's on the instant streaming, um, but the first one is not. And I've seen the first one. I, I got I got a copy, got a hold of a copy of the first one. Um, but it's very much on the social commentary. Uh, it's very much on the Brazilian corruption and the police force and just the the things they go through and how they how they operate as as an organization um and it would have been really good if the studio would have backed away a little more and let padilla kind of do his things in a, in a stronger way i think you can definitely tell in watching it that there was studio interference in that knowing padilla's other movies you could tell this was this was the studio kind of uh you know putting their thumb on him a little bit so mm. i'm hoping if the studio sees that he was competent enough, that this movie did well enough, that if they do do a sequel, that they'll kind of lay off him a little bit and let him bring his vision forward. But I'm just not sure if, you know, he'd be willing to come back for that. So, but yeah, it's, I, I, I was, I, I had fairly low expectations. So it was really cool to see them pretty much met. I wouldn't say exceeded, but, but definitely met. Well, that's cool. I, uh, yeah. I, I've been interested. I haven't really heard Johnny Johnny M's take, other than he had a generally that he liked it. So, Hopefully yeah, I think it's kind of funny. I think I think him, Aaron, and I kind of all agreed. No, Aaron hated it. Aaron yeah, thought it was Aaron, like the worst Aaron movie did on not the planet, like it. which I thought like was it. just so bizarre. Like, I mean, I could see where maybe you it wasn't your it wasn't your thing, but man, he like abjectly hated that movie. Yeah, I uh, I saw the Lego Movie and I loved it. Oh, everything is everything awesome. Everything is awesome when you work as a team. Is that right, guys? This movie is absolutely delightful. Oh my God, Will Arnett as Batman, uh, Liam Neeson as good cop, bad cop, Wolf and bad cops parents, and bad cops parents <laughs> who he has to kill, uh, Will Ferrell, uh, and Chris Pratt like could actually carry a movie as we see here, um, you know, before Guardians of the Galaxy comes out. So that's cool. Um, cool amount of cameos. The the whole Will Arnett Batman alone was worth the price of admission for me, you know. 
I wrote this about being an orphan. Yeah. Um, you know, with techno music, techno golf music going on in the back that <laughs> he'd wrote and written himself. But so many little jokes and asides, and just technically the animation is just beautiful. And I just, I liked it a lot. It was a lot smarter than I thought it would be. Did you see it, Jordan? Cool, yeah. That's that's one I didn't... Oh, I saw it twice in theaters. Nice. Yeah, I thought it was amazing. I, I I haven't seen it, but it's it's definitely one I'll if I don't pick it up when it comes out on Blu-ray, I'll definitely I'll definitely pick it up at the Red Box or whatever. Um, I think that's one I'll probably when we go to Houston or something like that try and get a hold of and show it to to my grandkids because I think they'll they they'll probably like it. I I showed them the Lego Batman the 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 Lego Batman movie and they both got a kick out of out of watching that. So I also saw a movie on video on demand called Art of the Steel with Kurt Russell. And Terrence Stamp, and uh, Matt huh. Dillon, and uh, Jay Baruchel, which was very Tarantino-esque. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't a great movie, but it was that kind of heist, uh, double dealing, quick dialogue. Uh, Kurt Russell plays like an evil Knievel type. Uh, Daredevil is kind of falling down on his luck, but he's like a great wheel man. So he gets in, in uh, enlisted in this. Um, this art swindle and Jay Baruchel's like his illegitimate son who's trying to like learn how to be a criminal, I guess. <laughs> but uh, it, it's really uh, it's pretty cool. It was on video on demand, and uh, it was it was worth rent- it was worth renting for sure. I enjoyed it. I've only seen a couple of newer movies recently on Netflix. I've been mostly watching some older stuff I've never seen before, like Breakfast at Tiffany's and stuff like that, which I really enjoyed. Um, frustratingly and bafflingly racist in parts, but aside from that, mm-hmm. a, a very fun and weird movie. Um, but some of the newer stuff I, I checked out on Netflix, have you guys heard about the documentary The Act of Killing? Yeah, the Errol Morris documentary. So, for anybody who doesn't know, in the, I guess it was early 60s, in Indonesia, um, we, and I say we, the U.S. government, other allied governments or post-allied governments, were, as you know, historically super worried about communism. And so we and other governments throughout the world helped fund, mostly secretly, paramilitary organizations in places in Indonesia to basically get rid of the communists who were there. So in, I forget exactly which country, and the Netflix um, the Netflix summary is not telling me the country, it just says Indonesia, but... Um, they, they kicked out, murdered, tortured, um, persecuted anyone who they said was communist or claimed was communist, whether they were or not, and basically took over the country, these paramilitary, gangster-ish organizations, and they kind of became rock stars because of this, the, the, the higher-ups in the paramilitary, paramilitary organizations, the organizations that still exist to this day, not with as much power, but still a frightening amount of it. So this documentary, um, basically the guys behind it heard about what had happened. uh, Joshua Oppenheimer's director, and I guess he was working on another documentary and kind of happened into some information about these people. And because they're so proud of what they did, like I said, they're kind of rock stars in their country. He went there to make this documentary about them, basically letting them tell their own story, reenact murders and uh, burning down villages and such in their own words, and it is a hard movie to watch. Um, It's one of those ones, kind of like The Road or something, I'm happy I've seen it once, I don't need to see it again, 
but it is a powerful movie about how people's minds can be warped by power and um, how the, how you can put a positive spin on anything if you want to believe it enough. And it, it is, like I said, it is hard to watch, but it is fascinating. Is, is this the one where they went to do the documentary and, and kind of talked to the to the people of the country about it and they ended up getting the perpetrators of, of all these crazy things to actually admit to all that openly on camera? Oh, they're they're thrilled about it. They're they're yeah. they're there on it's it's them the entire time. This is where I killed this guy. This is where I killed this guy. This is how I killed him. I came up with better techniques for strangulation and garroting and all these things. And it is it is terrifying what, how proud crazy. these guys are. Um, but it go it goes to some interesting places as well. I don't want you to think it, it's just like it's just it's not certainly not glorifying what they did as no, much no. as they are trying to glorify it. Uh, the, the perpetrators. But uh, it's it's pretty horrifying. On a, on a lighter tone, <laughs> I also saw Blue is the Warmest Color um, on Netflix, which um, got it was kind of controversial, I guess, when it came out because of uh, some extended uh, sex scenes. But it's a coming-of-age movie about two lesbians in France, and it's actually really good. I think it's too long for its own good, but uh, it, it was a very well-made movie that I enjoyed. And, and the last one I'll mention of recent things I watched on Netflix was one I think I was talking to you guys the other night about off-air, but How I Live Now, have either of you heard about this? No, no. but you were, you were telling us about it. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, Circe Ronan, you remember her from Hannah, sure. and uh, she was in a couple other genre-ish movies, if I remember correctly. Um, How I Live Now, uh, R-rated film, mostly really good. There was most of this movie I was like, wow, that was excellently done and other parts were a little too twilighty for me but if you want to take uh you know the teen girl romance supernatural movie just as one big thing and lump in all this stuff uh twilight divergent uh, hunger games etc there's good stuff in there there's bad stuff in there and everything in between this is definitely one of the better ones i've seen it's a teenage girl love story set during World War III in England, and it does not shy away from the horrors of war, the horrors of modern war, and of civil war, and all these things. Um, it is not the movie I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be much more Twilighty. It is not, for the most part. Like I said, there's a few elements in there that I was like, really? You're really just worried about finding this dude right now? But in other portions, other extended portions, it was just fantastic showing, you know, the horrors of nuclear fallout in the middle of the countryside in England and, um, you know, being conscripted into the military and all these different things of just the horrors of being a young person and female in general um, on your own trying to survive and trying to, uh, you know, meet up with the people, the few people left in the world who care about you and you care about during some of these horrible things. Uh, you know, think uh, think kind of the original um, Red Dawn if it was made today and not with North Korea invading the U.S. for no good reason or plausible reason, um, but just like super well-made World War Three movie about young people. Hmm. Again, with a few of those Twilight elements that had me scratching my head, but for the most part, I was amazed how far they took the World War Three stuff. Like, there was things that were really shocking me that they were in this movie. Wow. 
Well, speaking of Netflix, they just uh, added all of the uh, Star Wars Clone Wars cartoons, including the last season that never aired. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm I'm working my way through it. I I started watching. See, I had a bunch of season five on the DVR, and then we ended up switching DVR, so I lost a bunch of that. So I'm going through right now and trying to catch up on season five, so I can watch season six and then the end. Um, the only thing I'm really really disappointed with with season six, and I, I don't think at this point it's a spoiler, but um, they do something in season five with Ahsoka, and she's kind of been like the centerpiece character, I would say, of this whole entire series. Um, they've done arcs where they concentrate on on different sets of clone troops and um, and things like that, and then they'll have a droid arc and or, or two. But for the most part, like Ahsoka has been kind of the, the heart and soul, I, I would say, of the Clone Wars, and something happens with her character, and I really thought that, if nothing else, with the whole season six stuff, they would wrap that up. And I haven't seen it yet. It, it's in the later part of season five, which I haven't got to yet. But I, I, I just kind of heard what you know, some of what was going on, and they never wrap that up. So we get this whole, you know, piece with season six, but yet we they never. Like I, I went through and just looked through the descriptions real quick, and just looking at the season six trailer that they've released, which looks really awesome. Um, there's no Ahsoka in there at all. So I don't know if maybe they're going to put her in in somebody's back pocket and with this Star Wars Rebels show that's coming on, maybe she'll make an appearance as an older you know, Jedi that's been kind of living on the fringes for a while. But to, to not give that character any kind of closure, I mean, and I guess you could, you could argue given how Episode 3 turns out that we know what happened to Ahsoka, but I, I was a little bummed out that, that they didn't give her her due well as, as any fan of the star wars expanded universe knows they killed all the jedi except for the hundreds that they didn't yeah who yeah exactly <laughs> who were out there doing just random things being crazy and clones or whatever um in various parts of the galaxy so i mean but i yeah that is weird i, I haven't watched a lot of the clone wars you know, a few episodes here and there but i do know that from the very beginning that was kind of the big question is so is this just the story of how he trains this Jedi and she eventually dies because she's not in episode three? Um, and it is weird to hear that there's no real closure to that. Yeah, and I, like I said, I haven't seen the episodes where something happens to her that happens to her. And I, I won't, I, I kind of know what it is, but I won't spoil it here. Um, but that's disheartening. I, I've been a really big fan of this series as a whole. It, it's It's kind of one of those shows that when it's good, it's really good. And when it's bad, it's pretty bad. Like, when they go into the... I have a real hard time with the whole droid army silliness, the whole Roger Roger bits. I, I That just makes me want to slap somebody. Um, and that part, that's what really just kind of drags that show down. But there are there are episodes that are that are really, really, really good. Um, and I would say the, the good more than outweighs the bad. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing it, starting it over. I, I kind of lost my way, I think, after season two or three. But yeah. uh, now I can catch up and watch the whole thing. Yeah, I'll probably give it a, give it a rewatch, too. But, uh, I saw 300 Rise of an Empire. Oh. Still have not gotten a chance to see it, but I hear good things, surprisingly. I like it pretty much as good as I liked the first one. And I was a really big fan of the first one. Um, maybe maybe just a little bit under where the first one was, but this one was really solid. Um, they did a really good job of kind of keeping that tone of the first one. You know, it felt like it fit. Um, 
And it was really cool how this movie was like a prequel and a sequel all in one. So it goes into like the the origins of Xerxes and the origins of this Artemisia character played by the the absolutely stunning Ava Green. Um, and it, it, it was just really good. And so, so you kind of get it. It kind of weaves in and out of the first 300 movie. And, you know, so parts of it take before, and then you'll see things happening as as the the actual you know the events of 300 transpired and then we see kind of what happens after we saw what happened in 300 uh, and it was just it was just really cleverly done and and like i said it just it just felt the same i i was really kind of worried about sullivan stapleton the, the guy that plays um the 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 lead character in in this one because he's he's in that he's in the cinemax show called strike back and it's a really cool show and it's it's really gritty and and hardcore but at times he doesn't come off as the great as the as the greatest actor in the world and he's playing an american in that show but he's actually australian so he kind of puts the accent back on in this one and he's kind of this very fierceful forceful character um and it it comes off very well so i I was really impressed with it um and i hear thematically it does a lot to subvert the heteronormative racial purity angles of the first one where it's a bunch of super buff white dudes fighting an army a multicultural army and of course the multicultural army led by a slightly effeminate leader is the bad guys because they are um and this one really plays around with that and lets it be more interesting and less uh for less for lack of a better term ultra right wing I guess to not get too political. Yeah, I mean Ava Green, her Artemisia is the leader of a big faction of the Persian army, and um, it it, it like I said, it's it's really I mean she's just very not afraid to assert her power and and everything else, and uh, she looks just I, I think she's 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 I think she may make the list. Whoa, she's on the list. They know. <laughs> Man, she's uh You may need to get a bigger database. Uh, maybe so, maybe so. But uh <laughs> she doesn't leave much to the imagination, let's put it that way. Um <laughs> I do want to see it, uh hopefully before Cap Two comes out, but I've not gotten a chance yeah, yet. It, it's definitely one I recommend seeing in the theater because you know, just as much as I would recommend the first three hundred seeing in the theater. I mean to me it's very the, the very similar experience where it really needs to be seen on the big screen and it uh and is it in 3d yes i did not see it in 3d Uh, i just saw it in 2d um and it was perfectly fine but it's i'd be interested to see that speed ramping style done in 3d yeah i wonder what that would look like it's funny because i was sitting in the theater and i'm like you know maybe i should have waited 30 minutes and paid the extra you know three bucks or whatever and saw it in 3d because it looked like it would come off really really well uh, and it, you, watching it in 2D, you can definitely tell there were things that were done that were very much playing to the 3D side of, of things. Um, but I would love to see Warner Brothers go back and recut this as as one movie, like chronologically. I think that would be really badass. Um, I, I don't. It, it would be tough because you would have to cut things out of out of each movie. But it would be really cool to see it work. Yeah, th- there's a lot of sea battles in this one that are just awesome. I mean, when you you see how they play out and some of the strategic things they do and and everything, it's it's really really well done. I mean, really well done. And there's probably ten times the amount of blood uh, blood gore and limb hacking as there was in the first three hundred. 
<laughs> well, that's saying something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's more dudes. There are only 300 dudes in the first movie. There's a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> Little less of the. I will say this. It, and I, I don't want to belabor it too much, but there's l- less of the um, kind of mystical elements that there. You know, 300 kind of had the. Uh, you know, kind of magical, mystical, you know, elements to it. And this one, uh, other than kind of seeing the the rise of Xerxes, they really play a lot of that down. You don't really get a lot of the crazy giant people and, you know, weird, uh, you know, animals they're riding on and, you know, just kind of like oracles and prophecies. You don't, th- th- that is, is play, it's, it's a little more straight in this one than that one. I didn't really feel like it was too overblown in the first no. one, though, that particular angle. No, but... It was there. Right, but compared to this one, it, it like that's one of the things I noticed when I was watching it. I was like, wow, this is, gotcha. this is played a lot more straight than, than the other one. I did watch a documentary on Hulu all about the rise and fall of VHS. Ah. Which is pretty <laughs> interesting. It's called Please Rewind. And ah. uh, it was really cool. They were talking about how they would commission an artist to do a cover for a VHS box... Then they would come up with a title, and then they would go shoot the movie. <laughs> like because they would, I mean, when the the mom and pop video stores opened up back in the day, they were hungry for content. They needed, you know, tapes on their shelves. They needed movies, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. So when you know Full Moon Entertainment and the uh, Vestron Videos came around with their, you know, with their 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 dot, you know, their discounted, uh, you know, low budget stuff, and the the those places ate it up. So. Um, that's the way they, they did business back then. You know, they, they draw the, the box of the, uh, the movie first and then go shoot the movie to match. But, uh, it was, it was really interesting. It's available on Hulu Plus. It's called Please Rewind. And it's, they talked to a lot of people who still collect VHS. Um, like, like I do. I'm one of the few, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. They, they go to a place in Austin, actually, that has like a ton of VHS tapes. I can't remember the name of Oh, it's I, the dump. I think no. I think I I know what you're talking about. It's uh, I think it's off of uh, Airport Airport Boulevard. I used to drive past it every day. It, it's kind of I can't remember the name of it, but on the side of the building they got all these crazy like there's a it's painted onto the side of the building and they have like uh, Divine from uh, oh, what's that movie that Divine was in the um, where she's got she the was gun. In, she was in a bunch. Oh, um, Female Trouble. Maybe so. It's where she's she's pointing the she she's got that really tight dress on and pointing the gun and, and right. uh, pink flamingos. Anyway. Yeah. Yes. 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 Um. And uh, the slacker that you know, like the 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 cover slacker. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, just just a bunch of those culty kind of movies are all painted on the side of the building. I'm pretty sure if 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 anywhere, that's probably where they went. It was huge. I mean, the place inside was huge, and it was wall to wall VHS tapes, and they mm. still rented them and sold them. So it was, it was kind of mind blowing that a place like that was still around. I mean, considering you know Netflix and everything else now. Yeah, that I mean that definitely fits in with Austin. Like I said, that, that right. Yeah, that that doesn't surprise me a bit. A bunch of crazy hippies down there. I'm telling you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, real quick thing, we talked about Tarantino briefly earlier, or at least mentioned him. Uh, listeners will probably know I'm a big fan of the. Uh, Blank Meets Metal series on YouTube by Eric Calderon. He just put out, I believe it was yesterday, the day before, as we record this anyway, Kill Bill Volume 1 Meets Metal, and it is an awesome medley of the music from that film. Everything from the 
the Bride Oren Ishii fight to the Dun 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 song, which name I can't remember. Um, I can't remember the name of it. It's just a really cool medley of different styles with the, the Japanese styles and the classical guitar in, in a few parts. Um, really neat. If you're a fan of that movie, I would I would check out on YouTube Kill Bill Volume 1 Meets Metal. Nice. Any more movie stuff? Do we want to talk some TV or? Sure. Um, I would like to offer up, as I may, if I may, a, uh, a an abject uh, lesson here. Um, the last episode of Arrow that I just watched with the Suicide Holy Squad. Crap. Hello. Holy crap! Yeah. Okay. But that that is, in, but that episode is totally indicative of what I hate about Arrow. Okay. <laughs> just hear me out, okay? Just real quick. All right, the whole part with Diggle and the Suicide Squad was friggin' awesome. That was awesome. I loved it. It was an awesome burger with awesome sauce and an awesome bun. That was awesome. But they had to keep cutting away to Oliver feeling conflicted because of Deathstroke. And I don't want you to be hurt. I don't want him to... He's going to attack me through you and you could be killed. And, you know, all this, like, stupid WB emotion crap. Like yeah. get back to the good story, you know. I don't want to, you know. I don't want to hear see his, you know, personal inner emo struggle with all this. I want to see what's happened to the Suicide Squad. I mean, this is interesting, you know. But it's indicative of exactly what I I love and hate about Arrow. The cool parts are super cool. The WB type parts or the CW type parts are are not. You know what I mean? Yeah, it. I, I'm with you. I and I don't like the whole emo. Ollie when he does that bit where it's like I'm so worried uh, about you. I'm like, I don't yeah, care. It's like, please. <laughs> Can you go I mean, back he's... to kicking people's asses? Yeah. Well, especially when he knows how strong that Sarah is. Like, it's not like she's some helpless individual. She could hold his own against him for God's sake. And so, yeah, that's yeah, that just gets kind of old. Um, I, I don't watch Arrow, but I would remind you guys that it's the CW-ness of the show that allows them to make the rest of the show. Well, it's, it's true. What keeps the lights on. I understand. I, I understand. Point. It's just not the part I prefer. Yeah. Oh, I, I understand. You, uh, wrong. The, 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 the part that, you do prefer wouldn't exist without it. The parts that are cool are very cool. You know, the whole Suicide Squad. I don't like their version of The Wall. I think she should really yeah. been, like, look more like the comic book version, but I'll let it go. But, I mean, their version of Death Shot was cool. They got Michael Jai White as Bronze Tiger, which is awesome. You know, yes. the, the whole thing with Diggle and, and Harbinger, you know. Yes. Uh, just, uh, and, and then that one scene where they're in the, the, the um, where they're in the lockup or whatever. And then yes. you need, with Harley Quinn, uh, that, yes. little, that little, like, cameo just kind of blew my mind. I was just like, whoa. I could see an Arrow Gotham crossover in the future. That would be awesome. Oh, but, man. Uh, can you imagine? But yeah, I'm a licensed therapist. I'm like, oh man, they either got um, Arlene Sorkin or Tara Strong to do it. Yeah, you know? yeah, that was so. that was spot on. Yeah, um, was, but that this... part that part was awesome. But like, yes. I need I need to talk to you in my giant neon club about my feelings <laughs> uh, in this giant hotel in this giant bedroom that's bigger than every apartment anyone who's watching this has ever lived in. You know. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, and there, you know, he's like, I want to keep you safe. And the, the, you look, and there's this apartment, and the whole wall is glass. Yeah. It's just open windows and glass. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that would be a great place to keep her safe. Sure. But it's just like the parts of it that are that are cool are very cool. And then the parts of it that are, like Jordan says, keeping the lights on or whatever, the, 
the, the attractive young people talking about their feelings. I just, I, I, it just tunes me out. And it's something that Donnie Salvo and I have struggled with with Arrow along the way, you know. You, you know which episode didn't have a lot of that, but it was probably, I would say, maybe the best episode this season, if not maybe the second part of the Flash episode, is the one they did, I guess it was two or three weeks ago, when when Slade confronts Oliver when he, you know, we see at the end of the episode when he comes in, and then the next episode, the two of them kind of have the back and forth, and it's mostly an island episode. Like, right. I'd say 80% of it is the island tale. That mm-hmm. was awesome. Like, that was that was really solid. That's like um, something I've enjoyed about the way they've been telling it, too, is like his, you know, origin, quote-unquote, in bits and pieces as the show goes yeah. on. I, I, I kind of like that. You know, that's part of it. Part of it I enjoy. But yeah, that was a good episode. Um, it just, the, the other parts of it are just kind of... Hmm. Yeah, I th- it's definitely to me been stronger this season than last season. I agree there. Um, yeah, the, like the, you said, that Suicide Squad episode's probably been my favorite so far. Yeah, to be honest. Um, the only character that really I- I've grown a dislike for, and I didn't really, I I, I didn't recall myself really disliking her in the first season, is Laurel. Like, I I just I don't that whole alcohol drug addicted losing her job like that whole bit i'm like seriously and she's got a funky looking face i don't know what's up with like i'm sorry that's i know it's mean but like i didn't notice that in the first season like she looked pretty good in the first season and then i don't know maybe maybe with felicity being such a strong character in the second second season i don't know i don't know i just i'm so it's not a mark hamill situation she's a drama like a drama generator yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, we yeah. need we need more interpersonal drama. Let's let's do this to her, you know. Yeah, she's like a spoiled brat. Like I don't I don't know. Just her character just doesn't doesn't resonate with me. But I'm interested to see the Flash um, show, and at least yes. you know, the pilot we're going to see and the spinoff. And uh, like I said, the parts of Arrow that are cool, I, I do enjoy enough to keep watching it. So we got some. Uh... And the Americans. Oh, everybody, please go watch the Americans because I hear it's not Love doing it. well on the ratings. That's Love such it. a good show. It should awesome. have a much, much bigger audience than it does. It really should. It's. I mean, if you haven't heard the premise, it's a, you know, a sleeper KGB agents living as a suburban family in the 80s. It's based on, on actual KGB agents that they did have here living you know, as, you know, as you know, typical suburban families in America undercover. But um, the story is just great. It's really kicked into high with the second season with the... You have the, you know, the KGB killer, and then you got to meet the other spy family, which I thought was really cool. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just been uh, the, the second season's really like kicked into high for me. I'm really enjoying it. So. I agree. I'm sorry. I just wanted to mention that the, before I forgot it because that's just one of those shows that it, it's so good and people should be watching it, and they aren't. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Kind of back on the DC tip, we've, I guess today we got a, we got a uh, photo of. Uh, Donald Logue as uh, Harvey Bullock. Now, I don't know about you guys, but did you read the um, article on io9 where they supposedly have a leaked script from Gotham, like the working script? No. For the uh-uh. pilot? Um, they, I don't know. They wouldn't have put it up if they didn't think it was legit, I don't think, because they are io9. I mean, they usually don't just run speculative crap. But that they uh, it didn't seem very promising. I I have a lot I have a lot of faith in Donald Logue though. He's a really good actor. Yeah, and I and and uh, was it Ben McKenzie that's playing Gordon? I'm a little disappointed he doesn't have the mustache, but I, I mean, I'm not going to judge the show based on that. But 
I can't watch I am... this. He doesn't have a mustache. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm a little... He's a man in his 20s in 2014. He should not have a mustache. I, get... I say that as a man in my 20s who occasionally has a mustache. <laughs> it's not a good idea. Touche, my friend. Um, I am a little disappointed that they're tying it into Batman as much as they are, like the Wayne thing. I guess they're going to do the whole... Uh, I saw some photos today online that showed um, Thomas and Martha Wayne and, and young Bruce, and it looks like they're going to actually shoot the death of the Waynes scene, and they're they're kind of tying Bruce into it. I really wish they wouldn't. I mean, I don't have much hope that Fox isn't going to kill this thing after the first season anyway, but if it does end up having some legs or maybe they flip it back over to, to CW or something like that, I, I just, I, I don't, I'm happy to see like a Gotham Central show. Like I wish they would don't... have gone that route, to be honest. Yeah. You know, rather than having to set it in the past where, you know, Batman's still a kid and, I mean, then you have all this weirdness with... I mean, I saw the picture of the girl they cast as Selena Kyle today. She's like a 12-year-old, but like they have her all dolled up and stuff, and I'm just like, that's yeah. kind of creepy. Uh, I don't know. I would have much preferred you know, something based on like the Brubaker and Rucka run of Gotham yeah. Central, where you know, Batman really wasn't in it all that much. It was about the cops on the day-to-day beat, and it just happened to be in Gotham City. I think that would have been a better way for him to go, but I don't know. We'll see, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to be the guy that judges it before I've seen it. Right. Because um, it, it could be fantastic. But I, I just, just on the surface, I'm a little, like I said, I'm just a little disappointed that they went there. I, personally, I don't, I don't need to see the whole Bruce Wayne aspect to it. I, I think, I think the Gotham PD characters could be strong. I think it could, police procedurals are kind of, um, maybe not as hot as they used to be, but they're still pretty hot. And I think if they really emphasize that portion of it versus the Batman side of it, I think it, I think it for television, I think it, it may had may have had better legs, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. I just, I, it, anything on Fox, I'm very skeptical. You know, it, it has nothing to do with it, whether it's a comic book show or not. But I mean, anytime a new show comes on Fox, it's really, unless it's a runaway hit, it's, it's probably not going to make it, which is unfortunate that, they don't really let anything kind of grow an audience anymore. So, Well, on that kind of DC tip, they did get one thing right this week. Did you see the guy they cast as Constantine? Yes. Talk about some good casting, huh? Yeah, yeah. It was like spot on. The guy looks just like the, the comic book version. Yeah. It. I think that's a... And that's another show that coming up, I think... Having... I, People not realizing it's connected to a comic, I don't think will hurt it in any way, shape, or form. I think, you know, this whole kind of culty, supernatural, you know, aspect to it. I think you got shows like Grimm that are doing pretty good on NBC. You got Sleepy Hollow that's done very well on Fox. I think maybe the timing is right for that kind of show. Like, maybe it, it's it's kind of coming on the scene at the right time, and maybe it will have some success. I did think it was weird that for a guy who's ostensibly wearing normal clothes, it still looks 100% like a costume. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. It's a production photo. That's how they look. But still, I was just looking at it going, this looks like a guy playing dress up, not like a guy who's just wearing a, you know, dress shirt, tie and trench coat, which should be very, if not your normal everyday clothes, should be pretty easy to fade into. Yeah. I'm surprised you guys aren't talking about the uh, Flash costume. Uh, Yeah, good point. I, uh, what, what do you think of it? I think, uh, as a non-DC guy, uh, I think it looks very much like The Flash, and The Flash looks fucking stupid, and <laughs> I I understand people love the character, I'm not knocking the character, 
that costume does not translate well to live action. It looks preposterous. It kind of looks like Wolverine Jello uh, costume, and that's probably why they never went with it, too. I always thought that would look really garish in real life. Like it looks, it looks comic accurate. Maybe ten percent less comic accurate than the '90s Flash pilot, or I guess that one t- played a couple episodes. Yeah, but full, I mean, that one was slightly more seasons, comics actually. accurate. One, one, oh, really? one full season. But it it still looks ridiculous. Why anyone, you know, in this more real, slightly more grounded real world, um, Arrow, Flash world. Why anyone would put on a costume that looks like that for any reason other than a ridiculous Halloween party is just baffling. Well, I like it. And, <laughs> and I understand. I'm just going to make Flash friends angry. No, it's fine. But it just it looks ridiculous, you know. I, I like it. I, I, I'm in the small minority that wasn't... I, I enjoyed the Affleck Daredevil movie. I thought it... I, I liked it just fine. Um, I thought the costume for that movie, too, was pretty good. I thought it was, um, you know, the leather, it, it, you know, not having the spandex, and I thought that worked fine. So kind of seeing the, the Flash costume kind of reminds me a little bit of that, but less leathery. There's a, there's uh, parts of it that look like it's just kind of like some kind of mesh material underneath it. I think the helmet looks really good, and that's something that could have gone horribly wrong. Um, and see, really, it's the, the helmet where I have the problems. Wow, the okay. rest of the costume, I could kind of buy. But you've got lightning bolts on your head, and it's 2014. Yeah, but it's not like lightning bolts in the comics where they're almost like Cap's wings, you know, sticking out straight. Like, these things are at least kind of affixed to the helmet. I, I don't know. I thought I thought it looked pretty pretty solid. I'm... And, he, and here's the thing. If it was in a more heightened reality akin to Marvel's movies, The Avengers, I, I would give it more leeway. I, I would, you know, I can buy the Cap costume, even the Avengers Cap costume, in that world. And, and like I said, I haven't watched Arrow, but from what I've seen of that show, it does not seem like a world where this particular type of costume um, works. It, I, I, I think it has a lot of resemblance to the Arrow costume. I mean, there's a lot of... You know, leather jackety pant. You know that that kind of look to to the characters that do you know dress like that. I, I think it's it's analogous. Okay, well, like I said, I haven't watched this, so maybe I'm just completely off. He still looks ridiculous in live action. But I hope the show's great, and I hope people enjoy it. Yeah, I can't wait to hear everybody complain about it relentlessly, <laughs> even though they watch every episode. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> that's what comic fans do. I guess yeah. iZombie is moving uh, moving closer to to being a done deal too as is powers yes or powers is officially at least going to be a pilot for uh, the playstation network which is odd Didn't see that coming but they're kind of going into their own netflix original content amazon instant original content kind of deal where it's going to be a playstation exclusive so well, if they, that's kind of cool can make that playstation now network work the way they want it to then uh the extra content like that's just gonna be icing on the cake i think I mean, because that's, that's going to be astounding to be able to, you know, stream games like you stream movies on Netflix, you know? Yeah. Um, Do you guys, let me ask you this. This is something I've speculated, and it's kind of on the same topic. I've speculated on the past, but we're seeing, and since this is BS, let's, let's BS a little bit. Since we're seeing kind of the rise of these services that offer, you, you uh, Original content. You know, we have Netflix, which is really going full full hog on original content. You know, Amazon is starting to build up original content uh, content with their shows and trying to expand its network and compete with Netflix. They've they've recently announced that Amazon Prime is going to raise twenty dollars a year, 
which to me isn't horrible because I get enough value out of uh, out of that 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 even at a hundred bucks or ninety nine bucks or whatever it is, I'm I think I'm still on the positive end of that transaction with the free shipping. Um, but now we're seeing like Xbox One is is, is you know the, their network with the Xbox Live is going to do some Halo stuff that Spielberg's involved in allegedly, although we haven't heard anything more on that. Um, and now with the PlayStation Network with this Powers thing. Do you think as these things try and grow and we're all paying these either monthly fees or annual fees that at some point these things stack up to the point where when you have that with traditional cable or satellite or whatever, that some of the stuff maybe starts to consolidate that we see? I, I've put out there for a couple of years now that I have this crazy feeling in the back of my head that Microsoft is going to buy Netflix at some point or merge with Netflix. Um just because of what they want to do with the Xbox One, or maybe they spin Xbox off into its own company, which has been speculated as well, its own device company, and that maybe they somehow merge with Netflix. But do you think maybe some of these services might start to merge, like maybe like Sony gobbles up something else so that they could kind of gain more momentum in the marketplace and be able to kind of uh, attract more people to its to its ecosystem? I think it's inevitable. I mean, like we saw with Sirius and XM, um, there's a certain level where competition is great, and then there's a certain level where it just becomes market confusion, and you either start to die, and so you sell off your IPs to a, to a competing company, and then just go away, or you merge with them, or they, they buy up you know different properties and such like that. I mean, I, I think a certain number of them... I don't think Netflix would ever go away or an Amazon instant might not ever go away, but maybe PlayStation now fails or the Xbox media thing fails and maybe they get merged into something else. Um, But also, I mean, you, you combined or you mentioned, you know, cable and stuff and there's been, you know, increasing pushes for a la carte cable, which granted that call has been around for 20 years, but you know, as I think cable is going to start to go away and so you're going to lose that bill as AMC and HBO and other things like that as they start to move to digital only um, services. And so you might start to see digital only cable packages type deals where, hey, you pay your 40 bucks a month and that gives you Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, you know, whatever. You might start to see those pop up you know, hey, get five for the price of four. Um, I, I think there's a lot of different ways this could go, but it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. Yeah, I'm already moved beyond like the the cable uh, environment. I mean, we just have, <clears throat> I just have Netflix and Hulu and digital antenna, and that's it. And I just pay, you know, for the services that I want, and that's pretty much all I've wanted since the inception of cable, just to pay for the services that I want rather than having to pay for a lot of channels I never watch or. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I just, I think that eventually, you know, like like Jordan says, you know, too much competition is probably a bad thing and I'll end up in consolidation. But, on you know, on the, I think also, you know, before that happens, we're going to see a lot of different, um, you know, we already have Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, you know, PlayStation Network is, you know, with the, their content, the Xbox Network with theirs. I think, you know, after a while, you're going to end up just, You'd pay probably what you would for cable, but to each different service, you know, and then you can pick and choose, I suppose, um, you know, what services make sense for you. Like, for instance, I mean, that that all-you-can-eat pricing for, um, you know, PlayStation Now Network that they were talking about uh, doing for the PlayStation 1, 2, and 3 games, 
Um, it wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't appeal to a lot of people who want the best, newest games on release day or whatever. But for me, that would be a perfect setup. I would love that. You know, I could play any of my old games and not have to worry about keeping, you know, buying old systems and, and, and old heart, you know, old discs and things like that, like I do now. I, I think another angle is that, you know, piracy has dropped pretty substantially in the last decade and a half since the whole Napster thing and stuff like that. But as these different content things start to be put behind various paywalls, you will see a piracy probably raise, at least for those things. I mean, we already see, like, Game of Thrones, I think, was the, the number one pirated television show yep. um, in the world for the last couple of years. You, you'll start to see that for, you know, your Oranges of the New Blacks and your um, your House of Cards and that kind of stuff. And that'll also help influence what happens with them. Because right now, if you want to see those things, you know, subscribe to Netflix. You know, there's no DVD option. There's no Blu-ray option. It's digital stream or bust. Well, no, House and of Cards actually stream. has been released on Blu-ray and DVD. Oh, did they really yeah. do that? I was not yeah. aware of well, that. Season one, yeah. Season one. But it took, yeah, it took until, yeah, because Netflix doesn't own that lock, stock, and barrel. Netflix just paid for basically a exclusivity window. I mean, Trigger Street. What was that a co-production with? BBC? Or? No, tr- it's no, no. It's David Spacey's company and Spacey's company. And... Yeah, the Trigger Street Studios. Gotcha. So they ba- Trigger Street came up with with the concept that Spacey's company, and they shopped it around, and it almost went to HBO, and at the last minute they kind of cut a deal with Netflix. So they always say a Netflix original series, and and that's kind of true. But kind of not, because Trigger Street still owns the rights to that show. They just give Netflix the exclusivity window, and then when that window expires, then they can go to Blu-ray DVD, or at some point they'll be able to market that out either to syndication or to, you know, whatever, FX or TBS or or something at some point that, that Netflix gotcha. yeah, won't have a part of. Uh, same thing like Lilyhammer. Like, Lilyhammer is the same thing, but that's a, that's a, a Norwegian... Uh, Production, co-production, yeah, it, and Derek was a BBC or IT4, I forget right. my head production, but it was a Netflix exclusive in the US or that kind of stuff. Yeah, what was Orange Is the New Black exclusively Netflix? Yes, as far as I know, yeah, I, I haven't. I, it might be the only one. Then you know, it's it's a ch- it's an ever changing media landscape, and it will only continue to as digi- as physical media starts to phase out, and we switch to a, a, a digital only. Um, infrastructure, which will happen when it happens, will be you know, the, the real question. But uh, it, it's going to be interesting, and, and I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah, I'm just I'm curious, like with things like the Xbox Live and the PlayStation Network, if they really want to start getting hardcore into video. I mean, they're charging what they charge, it, which amounts to right now anywhere, depending on whether you can get a good deal on a on a 12 month subscription, forty to sixty five, seventy dollars a year. For for each of those, and if they start getting hardcore into content, I I just have a hard time believing they're going to be able to keep up the gaming server infrastructure going, um and and do all that matchmaking and stuff, and have budget for content without raising the price. And I'm curious to see as if we start seeing the price of Xbox Live go up, the price of the PlayStation Network go up. Um, I think it's a matter of time before Netflix has to raise their price again to, to make more competitive uh, content deals and more original content. That's going to get more expensive. Same thing with, you know, we've seen Amazon hike up their price. 
you know, Hulu, who knows what's going to happen with it. It it changes by the minute whether they're going to bust it up, they're sell it, they're going to, you know, make it, you know, ad supported completely for whatever. Um, but at some point, these things are going to get to the to the price point where I think folks are going to have to start make hard choices as to which one they're going to subscribe to. And I, I wonder if when that hard choice gets made, if, if we don't see some consolidation so that they can they can get some, you know, scale out of out of out of their operations. But uh, interesting times. I'll say that. Uh, are, have you watched any more? This might not even be discussion for the show, but have you watched any more? Um... Uh, the return since we last talked the other day? No, no, I've, I've, uh, I, I did. I don't think we talked about it on, on, on this show necessarily, but based on your recommendation, I started watching the returned on Netflix, the French, um, show, and uh, I'm still, I'm still through four episodes in. So, uh, if I if I get a break from podcasting over the next few days, uh, <laughs> I'll probably start watching it again. Um. Yeah, this is my fifth podcast in four days. Yeah, and then I've got I've still got two to edit. So <laughs> yeah, I got one at nine in the morning. So yeah, that's not my no, fault. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it's my dedication to my craft, man. That's what that is. Heck yeah. Dedication to my craft. Yeah, Speaking I watched of, I watched uh, the American version of Resurrection, and it was terrible. So really, mm-hmm. and just to be clear, not actually an American remake, just a similar yeah, premise, very similar. done by ABC, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, it did not look was, promising. Was, That's not, for sure. Not even, not even Clarence Boddicker himself could could save it. Red Foreman couldn't save it, huh? No, no, he could not. Yeah. Speaking of consolidation, did you see that NECA, the toy company NECA and Hastings, are merging? I thought that was now. Crazy. I know NECA pretty well. What is Hastings known for? Hastings is like a, a kind of like a Barnes and a combination of like a Barnes and Noble and a record store. Um, so they sell predominantly books, but they have a video uh, DVD Blu-ray rental area. They sell DVDs, Blu-rays. They sell comics. They started uh, getting into the comic market. They're actually Diamond's uh, single biggest. They're actually the largest comic book retailer chain in the country. Um, but NECA's a toy company. NECA's right? a toy company. Yeah. So that that's so they're merging. Yeah. Now Hastings does sell like the high end crazy collectible stuff. Like you'll find like sideshow collectibles, like uh, you know statues and you know the official Star Wars lightsabers and um, like NECA toys. Like a lot of the licensed you know McFarlane stuff. There uh, you'll see a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, you know T-shirts and and they sell just all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, almost kind of like an FYE or something like that. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So I just thought that was odd that NECA, the toy company, and it wasn't a buyout. It was a merger, and it was fairly cheap. It was like $25 million for Hastings, which I don't think Hastings has been doing very well, which I can't imagine how they would. Um, you know, bookstores in general are, are not doing well overall. Video rental stores probably doing worse. So it was just kind of like this weird hodgepodge of stuff, but uh, – I guess maybe neck. Was that amount you said just cash, or was there an additional stock? No, that uh, that was the total well. deal. But it was a, it was announced as a merger. So, gotcha. Um, so my my guess is probably like they would get twenty five million in the surviving company's stock. That's what the equivalent was. And I guess the head of Hastings is getting he's re, he's retiring. So he's like going out on the deal. If I read that correctly, but. I just anyway, I guess maybe NECA sees it as a good outlet for its its toys, because right now I think for the most part I see them at Toys R Us, but I don't see them. I don't see a lot of NECA stuff at 
um, you know, like a like a Walmart or a Target or you know anything like that. Well, I would assume their biggest distribution is through the internet. Uh, yeah, probably so. That's just a guess. True. But... Yeah, yeah. I do see that some of their stuff in the comic shops as well, but uh, true. Yeah, of course. But yeah, maybe they're just hoping you know with the large comic retail presence that you know that that it'll expand them out. But I, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of an odd, like an odd pairing. Yeah, I would not want to be getting into the uh, the retail market if I was a, a maker of physical media these days. I, I would be focusing just on online. But then again, I don't run a company, so maybe the numbers work for them. So yeah, it's kind of a hard. It's kind of a weird. To- toys are ultimately a physical medium. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you can't just... really distribute them digitally. I mean, you. No, but you can distri- you can order them and sell them online. Is yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. Owning owning an actual brick and mortar store seems like. A backwards move in this day and age. NECA does make good toys, though. Yeah, yeah. And I love their wafers. Mm. Anything we? Oh, video. We haven't talked any video games. You got any video game stuff you guys want to talk about? I do. Go ahead. Well, I've been playing the hell out of Assassin's Creed Black Flag. I think I'm almost done with it. It's very awesome. I have been playing Dark Souls, which is supposedly one of the hardest video games ever. I don't know if you guys have ever heard about this game. It's gotten kind oh, yeah. of a cult following on Giant Bomb. They had they had like Vinny play it for over a year, I guess, trying to make. They have a segment. Through. It's called it's called Breaking Brad. Right. So it's it's like Brad Shoemaker playing Dark Souls. It's it's an incredible game. Like it's got this really like weird tone, like very goth, and like everybody's kind of depressed and almost like they're all on lithium or something. Uh, that you talk to, and it's just very dark, and it's it's very hard. I mean, it's every every uh, enemy has like a different rhythm. You have to be really cognizant of like your stamina because you use it for everything, and uh, you know all your, there's a lot of stats to dive into, and that not very much is explained for you in the game. So you kind of have to either like read read something on you or, or you know, watch something on YouTube to get into it, or, or um, just kind of feel your way around like I did. But I'm, I've been playing it lately because I'm getting ready to get Dark Souls 2. And I'm probably about halfway through the game, and I've put like 50 hours in it. It's really, it is a challenging game. And I kind of I kind of dig that. It, it reminds me of the old school days when, you know, you'd play with the Super Nintendo or the Nintendo, and you got a game, and that was all you had for, you know, from your birthday to Christmas, and then from Christmas to your <laughs> birthday. You yeah, know? yeah. And, you know, the games are, like, punishingly hard, and, you know, that's what made the game last. And then you got a real, you know, sense of accomplishment when you actually got past that boss or beat that level, you know. It's like, yeah, I finally did it, you know. And that's kind of how I feel but with Dark Souls. It's like each each boss is like another puzzle, like a challenge of timing to figure out, you know. Um, the It's just a, a giant, expansive world, like the... It, it, it's all like intertwined and, and there's no ma- there's no real map to speak of so you kind of have to you know have that kind of sent um you know 3d memory that you get when you play a video game sometimes um to find your way around um it's just a really odd game but it's, it, but it's really after you kind of get sucked into it it's really compelling and uh, i'm looking forward to trying to finish this and then playing dark souls 2 which just came out recently nice um, also, I've been playing um, Shadowrun Dragonfall. Shadowrun is like this cyberpunk RPG that came out in the 90s uh, for PC, and it was also, on, I believe, on the Genesis and the, and the Super Nintendo. Uh, it was also a pen and paper RPG. Um, very, uh, it, it mixed like elements of fantasy and science fiction together in an RPG that was kind of a cyberpunk fantasy mix. 
Um, Shadowrun Returns was um, a, a revamp of that with kind of XCOM-style uh, um, uh, strategic um, turn-based combat and really good RPG elements. And uh, it was a Kickstarter. It made its money in like three or four days, and they came out on Steam and on uh, good old games or GOG.com, which is where I got it. And Dragonfall is the expansion pack. And not only does it have a healthy like 20-hour campaign that adds on to the original game, but it also has campaigns made by the players. Like there are tools that come with this version of uh, Shadowrun Returns that allow you to make your own adventures. And so the community is making new adventures all the time. like Kind of like the way they did with Neverwinter Nights back in the day on PC, where like DMs, sure, yeah. would, make, DMs would make their own adventures and then post them online for other people to play. Um, mm-hmm. And they're free. I mean, you can, you can you know, browse through. And, of course, they all have comments and, and uh, reviews by people who have played through them. Um, and they're, they've been tested by the people who put out the game. But it's really kind of that old-school grassroots RPG thing that I really love that kind of makes me nostalgic for those days of PC gaming so I really I've been playing that quite a bit too I picked up uh, Max Payne 3 for really cheap on Xbox Live last night so I'm a few hours into that I enjoy it um, but it just reminds me how annoying it is that characters in Rockstar games seem to be unable to run they can jog slightly occasionally but when you just want them to get the cover and stop being shot in the face it gets really annoying how slowly they move but it is fun. Yeah, I was hearing that people were trying to play it the way you played the old Max Payne games, and it wasn't quite working out for them in that <laughs> regard. So, yeah. But I mean, Rockstar games are generally pretty quality things, you know, pretty quality stuff. I saw in the same um, sale they had Bully, um, which is really kind of an underrated game that I love that Rockstar did. And it was, I think it was only like one of the few games I've thousand points. Really? I think it was only like, I think it's only yeah. like three bucks in the sale. It's well worth that. Super yeah, three seventy four. I think. Fun game. But uh, I, I wanted to talk real quick. Uh, they just had the Gamers Development Conference uh, oh, yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. weekend out in San Francisco. And the, um, Sony un- unleashed what they call Project Morpheus, which is their kind of their version of the Oculus Rift. It's their entry into a commercial VR uh, headset. And it's kind of cool the way they have it. It looks like it, it wouldn't... Um, they've been, you know, People that have tried it on, I've been watching a lot of videos and reading the gaming press about people who got to check it out. They said it's really not very heavy. Um, the the screen is uh, high enough resolution that it's really immersive, and that they did this thing with their the, um, um, eye tracking that keeps it from giving you that seasick effect. Um, I guess a lot with I don't know if you guys have ever worn a VR headset, but like if you move no, really quickly from left to right, like there's that kind of seesaw uh, wobbly effect that can make people nauseous if they play those kind of games too too often. Um, they've gotten rid of that by using um, eye tracking technology that they're going to also integrate into other games as well where they, they track your eyes so effectively that they can see what you're looking at on the screen and, and just move you there without having to use an you know, analog stick or buttons or whatever. Um, but it's that technology that's built into this VR um, headpiece um, to keep you keep you know players from getting nauseous from you know, playing the games. And I guess it's really effective. Um but uh, it, it looks really cool. They even uh, mentioned a few games that are going to be compatible for it, including uh, the, um, Bethesda's Thief that just came out recently, which is a first-person game, and uh, also an EVE game. I think it's called EVE Valkyrie, which is like a space combat game. But uh, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I, I it's got to be better, better than Virtual Boy, right? Yeah, yeah you the think headache, so. The headache machine. <laughs> 
Well, it's got some stiff competition from the Oculus. So, I mean, yeah. it's it's definitely, you know, if they really want it to be a competitor on, on that end, they, they need to make sure they've stepped up their game because I know Oculus is getting a lot of, um, you know, a lot of buzz. And especially with John Carmack leaving id to go full time at Oculus, you know, that's that's not a not a trivial thing. Well, it'll be interesting to see if they can match that tech that Sony has worked out to like the anti-Narcia tech. Because I know that's a big barrier for a lot of people who would like to try virtual reality gaming or whatever, but wouldn't be able to because it would just make them seasick. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I guess the latency, that's another thing. That's like That was one of the main reasons why Carmack wanted to go to Oculus because apparently the latency on the device was, was, a, was a problem. So. What do you think? Would you would you get it if it was pressed right? Uh, Are you ready to be the lawnmower man? Yeah. It, it really would depend on the games. I mean, the game support would really have to be there. Um, I, I think it's, again, one of those things that may be more of a novelty than a, than a practicality, you know? Um, you know, kind of something cool to show off when people come over. What but, if it was, what if it was, say, like the new... You know, the new Elder Scrolls game. like Not the online one, but like the next generation Skyrim or Fallout 4 or something it, first person and immersive like that. It would really scare me that I would spend that much time with that thing strapped to my head. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the Elder thing. Scrolls games are a way of life, not not just a yeah. game. So, you know, the fact... Seems like a really fast way to end a marriage. Yeah, I could just see my, my wife laughs at me as it is when I'm sitting in my recliner... Um, and watching a 3D movie with the glasses on and everything, and my headset, you know, my I have that PlayStation, you know, surround sound headset uh, on. So when I have like both of those things go, and she just walks by and just shakes her head and laughs at me. So I can't imagine if she saw that thing strapped to my face with you know a pair of earbuds on or whatever. She <clears throat> she'd probably pass out from laughing hysterically. We're just gonna all end up in our own little pods. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ready Player One. Yep. But yeah, that's all the gaming stuff I've been doing. I heard yeah, that one, one, the one, the one game I was really looking forward to on next gen got bumped in, uh, into 2015 this this week. Uh, the Witcher, three. Oh wow, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, it got bumped into 2015. So I guess other than Titanfall, I can wait a little while on a new console. We got a trailer today for uh, Assassin's Creed Unity, yeah. which is going to take place in the French Revolution. So it it looks like it's kind of a a callback to the sit you know it, it seems like for three and four it kind of went away and I, I didn't play either one so I'm I'm kind of speaking half out of turn it kind of went away from the typical scaling the buildings and going from building to building and it looks like maybe with with this one they're going back to that a little bit. Well, it's definitely going to be more of a metropolitan area, right? You know, Paris and during the the French Revolution there are a lot more buildings to scale, you know than there are in, say, Havana or something in the tropical settings of, you know, Black Flag. But it'll be cool to see what they bring to the table to make it interesting. I mean, there was a lot of backlash on 3 because, you know, people didn't like, uh, you know, the mandatory follow missions, and I guess some of the um, some of the collision detection was kind of wonky on 3, and some of the, the combat didn't quite work the way they had hoped it to on 3. And um, I think it was also just the story yeah, that people really that disliked. Yeah, the protagonist that particularly. But I think they built, they brought back a lot of that goodwill with, um, with uh, Black Flag. I really do. It is is really a good, solid, fun game. Well, a story well told. But again, you know, like I'm saying, it's not a major metropolitan area like the first few games. It's like the biggest cities, like Havana. You know, 
yeah. or, or you know, or Kingston and Jamaica and stuff like that. So there's not a lot. There are things to scale, but not as much as there would be in, you know, like I said, Paris. Well, and it's more scaling the environment with trees and mountains yeah. and cliffs and stuff like that. Right. It, it, I think the end of this year is really going to be is shaping up to kind of be the year of or, or the time that will the new consoles may come and shine because this this Assassin's Creed game I'm assuming will be like the first one truly built for next gen. Um, you know, we're getting Batman, Gotham, or Arkham Knight, which which that trailer looks amazing. Yeah. So. That'll I be. Did I, you guys see the uh, the the new demo uh, video that came out for the Snowflake engine they're using for the new Tom Clancy Division game? No, no, I it is that. insane. It is probably the best. I mean, it's the first time I ever saw something and said, "Wow, those are next gen graphics." I mean, nice. it is just photorealistic, and it's kind of it's almost scary how realistic it is. If you can find that uh, demo online or that video online, definitely check it out. It almost seems like this this coming winter is is shaping up to be like I the last time I I the bunch of this stuff came out was maybe like um at the end of of 2011 like when I, I cuz I remember when we went to New York Comic Con in October it was like uh Arkham that's when Arkham City came out and uh, you know like I guess Dead Island and I can't remember I think was it Far Cry that came out that year too there was like a bunch of stuff that came out at the end of that end of that year that were just really solid good game games and it it seems like the end of this year i think last year we just kind of got handcuffed with new consoles and and things kind of having to straddle both and then there was stuff that wasn't quite ready that got pushed so it looks like the end of 2014 is shaping up to be you know kind of the the season that we hoped last year would be so and come on what was the really what was the really uh, first or um last essential launch title for a video game console since like super mario 64 i mean think about it i mean i can't yeah. think of i can't think of it like a super strong launch not title launch. not yeah, not no. you know since then and you know it's always like after the developers have the dev kits for a year or two that we start to see you know the actual games coming out that you know, work, you know, take the best advantage of the machine, you know, and, yeah. and what it can do. So I look but, at stuff like, like on the PlayStation 2 side, like we saw God of War, which came out kind of at the end of the cycle, and God of War 2, and that thing just like squeezed every last ounce out of the PlayStation 2. And it, I remember like God of War 2 to me looked better than most launch PS3 games because it just, again it just it just pulled every last ounce out of that and i think we're seeing the same thing kind of like the the tail end of the the playstation 3 xbox 360 games you know the stuff we're seeing with the xbox one and the ps4 seem marginally better um and and i think coming at the end of this year and then next year i think we're going to see stuff that when we look back it's going to be like holy crap we're you know we're this is what this stuff can really do. Yeah, I mean, last time was the jump from standard def to high def, so that was really an appreciable and noticeable jump. I think yeah. the, the the jump we're really going to see with this next gen, I mean, obviously we'll see somewhat of a graphical bump, but I think we're really going to see as far as like AI logarithms and what they're able to do with, you know, larger environments and, and even like, uh, you know, enemy types and, and things like that is really where it's going to be at, you know. Yeah. I agree. Where it's at, man. Yep. Uh, I just want to shout out next weekend here in Pittsburgh. If you're in the area, Pinburg. It's the uh, the uh, official um, national pinball championships. Are here in Pittsburgh. Nice. Yeah, my wife is going to be working it, so I'm going to be uh, eating a bunch of free food and playing a lot of pinball. 
Be good times for all. I was gonna say, you, there's a lot, wa- uh, lot worse ways you can uh, spend a, a day. Yeah, no doubt. Cool. Has anybody got anything else? Any other BS that we missed? I think I'm pretty BS'd out. Cool. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in to Really BS, our sixth episode here uh, for March. I'm, I'm, I think we'll probably start getting on. I know I said this before, but I, I really think we'll start getting on a bit of a more regular schedule. Uh, now I think some of the summer shows are going to be dwindling off. So, uh, you know, walking dead is going to be wrapping up and shield's going to be wrapping up. So a lot of, uh, our time we're dedicating to the other podcasts will kind of space, space itself out a little better. The summer movie season is kicking into high gear. So we're going to plenty to talk about with that. Um, so check, head on over to hhwlod.com and check out all the cool stuff that we got going on over there. The tons of content and shows that we have, uh, check out the Facebook group at facebook.com slash HHWLOD. Um, leave us some iTunes reviews. We could really, really, really use some iTunes reviews for any of the shows on the network. If you if you pull up iTunes and just search HHWLOD, uh, you'll find a lot of cool, all of the shows there, and we'd really appreciate any uh, reviews that you could that you could leave for us. And spread the word. You know, if you like the stuff that we do on the network, um, you know, tell some folks and, and get them get them to listen. Uh, we do a lot of a lot of good stuff. We put a lot of time and effort and research uh, into all the shows that everybody does on on this network, and uh, so we'd like we'd like for more people to to come on board with what we got going on. Um, if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can call nine seven two seven nine eight thirty eight thirty and just uh, let them know you're leaving a voicemail for the really BS, the really big show, um, because that is the HHW LOD podcast network uh, voicemail line. So until uh april i guess sometime in april uh this is russ for jordan and for jim and we'll uh we'll see you next time